A pure love continues even when it is slighted. But a selfish love can easily turn to a sinful hatred. The deepest venom in the human heart is often directed towards people or churches or employers or friends that we once said we loved. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And a lot of us, Colin, if we're honest, would admit the truth of what we just heard. Why is that? Well, at the heart of a selfish love is that it cultivates a relationship with another person in order to get something from them. And uh, when that doesn't happen, then the reaction can go the other way. And you see that uh, very, very clearly in Potiphar's wife, who really set her eye on Joseph as we're following the story of Joseph. And when she did not get what she wanted, her hatred against Joseph really knew no bounds. And uh, that's the nature of a sinful and a selfish love. A true love is altogether the opposite of that. And we see that in Joseph, in the remarkable grace that he continues to show and the integrity that he continues to pursue. I just love the fact that the Bible speaks so powerfully, so clearly into the realities of life in this world, the real stuff we actually face in relationships that can often turn abusive, what seems to be love and actually is a kind of manipulation and Joseph's marvellous example of integrity in the middle of all of this. I'm thinking of a person who might be listening today who thought they had a genuine love for a friend or a family member and maybe they got hurt and now feel that their heart was hardened against that person. What should they do? Well, that is one of the hardest situations of all. And in that circumstance, we desperately need the help of the Lord. And I think it's really good to make this very, very specific prayer in that kind of a circumstance. Lord, deliver me from a sinful love that easily becomes hatred. I don't want that. I don't want to become someone who's bitter because I didn't get my way. And teach me instead the love of Christ that goes on loving even when I'm slighted. And Christ is able to answer that prayer. We're looking into this in today's message. So join us in Genesis chapter 39 as we begin Trusted and Accused. Here's Pastor Colin. We're returning today to our series on Joseph, Snapshots of a Godly Life. We have seen that this man was loved and favored, that he was hated, despised, that he was blessed, and that he was successful. And then last time we looked at how he was tempted and was faithful. We looked at seven seasons in which we are especially vulnerable to temptation and how we may be able to stand against it when it comes. And we ended last time by seeing very wonderfully how God wove the faithfulness of Joseph into his wider plan to bring blessing to many people. It was through the faithfulness of Joseph when he was tempted that he ended up in prison. It was through being in prison that he met Pharaoh's cupbearer. It was through the cupbearer that he was introduced to Pharaoh. It was through Pharaoh that he became the prime minister who wisely stored up food supplies for a time of famine. It was through the food supplies that he stored up for time of famine that the life of Judah, his brother, and the rest of the family was saved. And it was from the line of Judah that Jesus Christ was born into the world. So what came of all of this was beyond anything that Joseph could 
ever have imagined how God would use his faithfulness and how his stand and his integrity would be woven in to a much wider story of the blessing of God that would come to many, many, many people. God never wastes the suffering or the faithfulness of his people. But while the ultimate outcome of Joseph's integrity and his faithfulness was marvelous, it was glorious, the immediate outcome of Joseph's faithfulness was very, very painful. And that is the story that we're going to focus on uh, today in Genesis and chapter 39. And we begin at verse 13, the passage that has been read to us. The storyline, of course, is a very simple one. Joseph refuses the advances of Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife then brings a false accusation against Joseph, and Joseph, as a result, loses his job and ends up in the prison. Now, uh, reading the uh, life of Joseph uh, strikes me, it's like a game of snakes and ladders. Do you remember playing that game? Uh, Joseph is either going up or he is going down. And uh, I used to play that as as children, you know, up the ladders, down the snakes, and you're all over the board and uh, so uh, to speak. This is the story of Joseph. He goes up in the eyes of his father. Then he comes down through the hatred of his brothers. Then he goes up with a stellar career in the employment of uh, Potiphar. Now he comes down to the lowest point at the hand of Potiphar's wife. His life is all over the board, so uh, to speak. The story reminds us that wherever you are in your life, in the ups and the downs, the times when things are thriving and the times when things are terrible, what really matters is that at the end of the game, are you on a snake or are you on a ladder? To fly high and to end on a snake is not where you want to be. However low you may come, You're on a ladder, it is well with you. And Jesus Christ is our ladder from heaven. He is our ladder to heaven. And however low you may come in the course of your life with dark times that you may face, and that, of course, is what we're looking at today, in Jesus Christ, there is the assurance that for you all is well. Well, we're going to see that from the Bible today. I want us to look at this story again uh, from the perspective of each of the three main players, First Potiphar's uh, wife, then Potiphar, and then, of course, Joseph. And we begin with Potiphar's wife, and the cameo that we have of her here I've called spreading the lie, and we have that in verse 13 to 18. Potiphar's wife spreading the lie, verses 13 to 18. Now, the first thing that we uh, learn here is something very important about the nature of true love. If your love is pure... It will remain and it will continue even when you do not get what you want. But if your love is selfish, that is, if your love is essentially about you getting what you want from another person, then its intensity can easily turn to hatred when things don't work out as you had hoped. Now, this works out in all kinds of spheres of life. It is very easy, for example, for our interest in people to be shot through with what we hope to get from them. So you uh, court a person in a friendship, in business, in the church, in your personal life, because you think that you can get something from them. And then at some point, it becomes evident that the answer is no. No, you're not going to get that contract. No, you're not going to get uh, that money. 
No, you're not going to get that position. No, you're not going to have that relationship. Now, when that happens, a pure love continues even when it is slighted. But a selfish love can easily turn to a sinful hatred. And you see, that is the explanation as to why so often in our experience, and you you will recognize this, the deepest venom in the human heart is often directed towards people or churches or employers or friends that we once said we loved. Why is that? Because a pure love will continue even when it is slighted. But a selfish love easily turns into sinful hatred. So we obviously see that very clearly in this woman, Potiphar's wife. And it has helped me to form this prayer that I commend you to, to you today. Lord, deliver me from any trace of sinful love that so easily becomes hatred when I don't get my way. I don't want to be that person. And grow in me a reflection of the true love of Christ. The love that goes on loving even when it is slighted. The story speaks volumes into the nature of genuine love. Now obviously Potiphar's wife only knew one kind of love. And when she didn't get what she wanted, uh, the true nature of her heart was revealed. And her sinful hatred caused her to do very great evil to uh, Joseph indeed. She robbed him of his good name. She caused him to be put out of his job. And it was a great sin. And it was a great injustice. Now the Bible often shows us the ugliness of sin. So that seeing it for what it is, we will be on our guard against it. And so I want to spend the next few moments just looking at what a horrible injustice and what an ugly sin we have here from Potiphar's wife. There are really three parts to her evil. The first is sowing disaffection. And you have that in verses 13 and 14. As soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house... She called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. Now notice how she spreads the lie. And friends, this is how division comes, uh, how churches end up being thwarted. There's a pattern here. We should see it. We should recognize it. We should loathe it with everything that is within us. How does she spread the lie? She does not begin with a complaint to Potiphar. What she does is she begins with the servants, with the ordinary people in the house, and she sows the seeds of discord in their minds and in their hearts. She's fostering disaffection. She's creating a climate of distrust. Notice how she plays the race card, always so powerful. See, he has brought among us a Hebrew, verse 14. What does Joseph's race have to do with anything? That is pure prejudice. But notice how she's, de- she's using it to develop a them and us mentality. This Hebrew to come and laugh at us. You see, she's sowing the seeds of disaffection, discord, and of division. 
she sows this disaffection among the servants, not only with regards to Joseph, but also she's sowing the seeds of disaffection with regards to her own husband among these servants. Notice what she says, verse 14. See, he has brought among us a Hebrew. Who's he? Potiphar, of course. He was the one who had brought Joseph into the household. So now she's turning the minds of the servants against her husband, against uh, this foreign person is the way that she's typecast at Joseph, and she's sowing the seeds of disaffection. Just a few words. But it's creating a climate amongst the folk in the kitchen and the folks who work in the bedroom. And the folks are in the living room, and they're talking to each other. And suddenly there's a whole climate that she's created, sowing disaffection. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Trusted and Accused, part of a series about Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. If you missed any of today's broadcast, or if you want to catch up later with any of our previous broadcasts, you can do that by going online to openthebible.org.uk. Let's get back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. And second, she repeats a downright lie. Verse 14 and 15. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. As soon as he heard, I lifted up my voice. And cried out, he left his garment beside me, fled, and got out of the house. Notice that this is a double lie. It's a double lie because she presents Joseph as a villain, but she also presents herself as a woman of virtue. Uh, She covers Joseph with the shame of false accusation, and then she covers herself with a pretended virtue that she certainly does not possess. And then when Potiphar comes home, she repeats the double lie, and so there's a multiplication going on here. Verse 17, she told him the same story. And so now you see what she's doing. Having sown the seeds of disaffection, she's now making a formal complaint to the person who is in authority, to Potiphar. Now, it's worth just pausing here and to remember that the Bible tells us that Satan is the father of lies. That's John 8 and verse 44. And I love the translation that the NIV has of that verse. It says that when he lies, he speaks his native language. Isn't that good? Lies are Satan's native language. And whenever a lie is spoken, you hear the echo of Satan's voice. That is true any time you may accuse another person of something that may not be true. It is true every time you pretend to a virtue that you do not possess. And the Bible says, Revelation 21 and verse 8, that all liars end in the lake of fire. It's a categorical statement. There's a list of who ends up in the lake of fire, and the last in the list is this, and all liars, all liars. Now, if I'm to take that seriously and to let it sink into the depth of my being, it's going to bring me to this place that God wants to bring me to, which is that I must make it my business throughout the course of my life to turn from all lies and to vigorously, in every sphere, always pursue the truth. 
And that that is one of the marks of a person who is committed to Jesus Christ, who says, I am the way and I am the truth. And I am the life. So she sows the seeds of disaffection. She tells the downright lie, the double lie, and then she repeats it, multiplying it up and up. And then notice just briefly how she passes blame, verse 17. And this often goes with uh, this kind of evil. This Hebrew servant, she says to her husband, whom you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. Do you see what she's saying? She's setting Potiphar up. She's saying, now all this is your fault. Now what are you going to do about it? So she creates the problem through the lie and then passes the blame for the thing that actually never happened and puts the responsibility on Potiphar. So friends, you just look at this. You say, this is ugly stuff. And as one who loves and wants to follow Jesus Christ, here are some things I want to have absolutely nothing to do with in my life. Sowing the seeds of disaffection. Repeating the lie, passing blame. That's Potiphar's wife. Tragic. Spreading the lie. Here's a second cameo. Let's have a look at Potiphar. And I've described this as suppressing the truth. And we're particularly looking at verse 19. Potiphar suppressing the truth. Now here's an interesting question. And... uh, I think all of the commentators have something to say on it, and I wonder what you think. Did Potiphar believe his wife's story? What do you think? There's a number of no's there. I agree. Let me give you a number of reasons why I don't think, and uh, many commentators have written at length about this, I don't think he believed his wife's story. At the very least, he must have had great doubts. Here's the first reason. The first reason for thinking that is that Potiphar did not have Joseph killed. I mean, in that day, in that culture, if he had believed what his wife had said to him, that would surely have been the outcome. But Joseph was not killed. He was put in prison. And in this, surely, we can see the protecting hand of God on the life of Joseph. But we may also see Potiphar's doubt over his wife's story. Second reason for thinking that Potiphar did not believe his wife is that sometime later, if you look at chapter 40 and verse 4, um, you will see there that the king's cupbearer and the baker came also to be put in the prison beside Joseph. And then we're told the captain of the guard, verse 4, appointed Joseph to be with them and to have charge over them is uh, what is conveyed there. Now, who was the captain of the guard? Well, we know from the last verse of chapter 37 that Potiphar himself was the captain of the guard. And so it seems quite clear from this verse that Potiphar still regarded Joseph with trust and had regard for his integrity and respect for him. Third, several commentators point out that when Potiphar's wife told her story, the scripture says in verse 19 that Potiphar's anger was kindled. His anger was kindled. Very significantly, it does not say his anger was kindled against Joseph. It just says he was angry when she told this story. Now, put all of this together, 
with the trust that Potiphar had in Joseph, the integrity that Joseph had shown unceasingly throughout his entire employment, the trust that had been between these men. And I think that it is reasonable to conclude that Potiphar was angry because his wife had put him in an impossible position. I mean, think about it. All the servants are watching. They've all been primed with Potiphar's wife's story. They're all on the side of Potiphar's wife. They're waiting to see what Potiphar's going to do. And now Potiphar's presented with this story. What is, what is he going to do? What will his life be if he sides with Joseph? His wife has put him in an impossible position. And now he is angry. And Potiphar's anger and his affection lead him away from the truth. And meditating on Potiphar, I'm thinking, this is like someone else in the Bible. This is awfully like Pontius Pilate. Seeds of disaffection have been sown in the crowd. Accusations have been made. People are saying, you are no friend of Caesar if you let this man go. And Jesus says to him, now, everyone, Pilate, who is on the side of truth, listens to me. And Pilate says, well, what is truth? See, truth has to be crucified. Joseph has to go on the uh, to the prison. Jesus has to go to the cross. Truth has to be sacrificed. Why? Because other interests have to be served. It's too costly to go with the truth. Now, friends, here's where this speaks to us. We like to think of ourselves as being fair, open-minded, you know, honest and balanced and all that good stuff. We go by the facts. Here's the fact. We are not neutral when it comes to God. You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith, and we've heard how Potiphar's wife spread the lie and Potiphar himself suppressed the truth. But next time we'll see how Joseph was still standing by faith. And I hope you'll be able to join us for that. If you missed any of this broadcast or if you'd like to catch up with any of our earlier broadcasts, you can always do that by going online to openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is only able to come to you as a result of your generosity in supporting the work. This month, if you're able to commit to a regular donation of £5 or more, we'd like to send you a free copy of a book. The book is called Holiness and it's by J.C. Ryle. Colin, I know this is one of your favourite books. What makes this book, Holiness, so unique? One of my all-time favorite books, and the reason for this is that there are some books that just help you make sense of your own experience as a Christian, and that's what this book, Holiness, has done for me. On the one hand, the Scripture tells us that being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And on the other hand, we all know as Christian believers that having peace with God, we're also involved in a fight. We're in a battle against the temptations that we face and find in our own flesh. And the Bible says without holiness, we will not see the Lord. So how in the world do you hold these two things together? And what has been so helpful to me in this book is that Ryle shows how you hold these two things together. He actually says straight up that a Christian is a person who is at peace and in conflict 
at the same time. And yet you can tell a real Christian as much by his conflict, that is his own inner conflict with sin and temptation, as you can by his peace. Now, that begins to open up a whole world of understanding as to what Christian experience is really like. So I go back still to this book again and again. I quote from Ryle many, many times. It's been one of the great sources of biblical wisdom in my life, and it's just a joy to be able to share this book with our audience this month. It's called Holiness, written by J.C. Ryle, and it's our gift to you this month for supporting Open the Bible with a regular donation of £5 or more. And starting this month on Open the Bible, you can hear Pastor Colin Smith's daily devotional read by Sue McLeish. Every day there's a new two to three minute reflection. It's a great way to start the day. Go to openthebible.org.uk For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I hope you'll join us again next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. What do you do when God brings you to the lowest point in your life? Find out next time on Open the Bible.